Okay, real quick, I'm just going to pray again, just for, but it's good, talking to Jesus. Lord, thanks for this opportunity to gather. Thanks for this opportunity to have you shape our lives, uh, to hear some of your perspective on our lives. So Lord, we just say uh, yes to whatever it is you want to speak to us this morning. As we look in your word, uh, we want to open ourselves knowing that your plans for our lives are the best thing for us, are exactly what we ultimately need. And so we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is John, the college pastor here at the harbor. And a few, a few years back, so the tail end of my time in college... I guess it's around seven years ago or so. Um, in the summer, I think it was before my senior year, I was having a conversation with someone. And they were, I was telling them how I was feeling called to go to seminary after college and that I felt this pastoral calling on my life. And they, they asked me a question and they said, uh, do you think when you finish seminary, do you think you'd want to plan a church? Do you think you'll kind of plan a church? And I was just like, no, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, no, I've never really thought about that, but um, I don't think I, I have enough faith for that, to be honest. And I'm not sure my skill set or gifts or that sort of thing would really work in terms of church planting. Um, and so, anyway, we kind of moved on the conversation. And, and then a few, a few months later, I was uh, driving with a friend of mine. And good, good friend from Sri Lanka. Everyone should have a friend from Sri Lanka. But anyway, and so I'm driving with Prashan, he's my buddy, and we're talking about, uh, I'm talking about how I go to church. At the time, I was going to a church down in Cambridge, and how at times I was frustrated because I'm trying to share Jesus with people up here on the North Shore and just in the course of my life. But yet, I didn't, I didn't even know exactly where I would uh, encourage someone to go to a church um, if they were interested. And, if, and especially if someone who was like way far from Jesus has an encounter with him, gives their life to Jesus, and really starts walking with him. And um, I was just expressing some things about, uh, you know, I wish there was a church that looked this sort of way and that sort of way, and I'm just not sure I've seen it. And, and Prashan was just like, well, my, that, that sounds like, uh, <laughs> that sounds like, uh, what someone says before they plan a church. And I'm just like, no, I'm not planning a church up here. <laughs> uh, no, that's not happening. Sorry. I've got some other ideas. Um, and so, so what happened then in the middle of my time in seminary was God made it really clear that at least for what I thought would be probably about a year that I would kind of stop going to this church that I went to down in the city and get involved in this church that had been around for about a year. You may have heard of it, called The Harbor. And so, so I felt like I was saying to kind of walk with this church. I had never been, even as I felt God was speaking this to me, but I knew Neil and some of the other people who had planted the church. And so, so I get involved a little bit and... Not long in, Neil invites me to be a part of the leadership team at that time. And one of the great things about being involved in young kind of church plants, you have opportunities to lead and kind of give your gifts very quickly because 
they need people. <laughs> and so, so that happens. And then Neil, not long, maybe about two months in, he says, you know, John, we're going to need a college pastor so that I can kind of pastor the whole church. And I'm thinking to myself, thanks, Neil. That's great. Uh, but I have my own ideas of finishing seminary and then moving to New Jersey to a very well-established church that had been going for about 150 years with a pastor who'd been pastoring for over 40 years and was really excited to pour his life into mine. And those were a lot of the things in my mind that were, I was very attracted to. I was like, I'm going to get my feet on the ground, something nice, safe and secure. And so, but what happened was God changed that. And through a series of events, some of you, I've, I've shared some of them before, but I won't get into it right now. But God made it clear that he wanted me to walk with this church and even this larger movement of churches. And eventually, four years later, now with four years of church planting under my belt that I didn't expect right out, right out of seminary, um, uh, I feel a, a desire, I feel like the Lord is speaking about church planting. And so now as I process with the Lord about my future, I don't have any major timetables, but there's, there's an excitement in me to actually go plant a church somewhere. So it's just interesting the way God can kind of change our, change our perspective on some things. Because um, here, here's a one important thing I've learned in this process is God often equips those that he calls. He doesn't just call those that are already equipped. So I had all these reasons why I didn't even want to think about church planning because I thought I wasn't good enough. I didn't think I had enough skills, kind of all these different things. And yet, God kind of threw me into a church plant right out of seminary. And uh, I mean, it, in some ways against my wishes, <laughs> but, but it's, been, it's been great. And so I want to let you in actually on some of what over the past four years especially, uh, God has done in me and what God has taught me about this whole area of church planting, because we're in this series about our passions as a church. And so that might be new to you to think about a church that has as one of its core passions planting other churches. And as you sit here, you may think, well, how does that, how do I fit into that? I don't, I don't feel called to be a pastor. I don't want to be a missionary per se. And so how, how do I fit into that? So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. Uh, there are, there are two, let, let me say this first. Um, the reason that this is our passion is that we are as convinced as ever that the primary, not the only, but the primary vehicle, the primary way that God is bringing about his kingdom on the earth is through the church, is through expressions of the local church all over the earth. That's the primary way as we look at the Bible, from even Genesis through to Revelation, and especially in the New Testament in the book of Acts, that we see God bringing about his kingdom through the local church. Now, there were two, um, two reasons that I used to be not nearly as excited about church planting as I am now. And God still has me on a whole journey on the whole church planting deal. But one of them, which we'll, we'll touch on a little bit, later in the sermon, but one of them is I didn't realize that church planting is actually um, a step in living my life for others and not my own dreams. 
and not necessarily my own desires. But the church planning is a way to say, Jesus, you call me to actually give up my dreams for your dreams, potentially, and to live for other people. So I didn't realize that church planning was actually an exercise in laying down, kind of living for myself and living for others. But the bigger issue was that I had a really small view of the kingdom of God and what that meant and what the kingdom even was. So you may be sitting here, you may think, well, gosh, what is the kingdom? I wonder if I have a small view of the kingdom. I wonder if my view of the kingdom is being not big enough. Well, I used to think, I'm not sure where I picked this up, but sometimes I used to associate the kingdom of God, when I would hear that, as the same thing as heaven. You know, I would think, okay, people came into the kingdom, so they're going to heaven. And that's not exactly what, especially the New Testament is teaching, but especially the whole Bible about the kingdom of God. Sometimes I wondered too, is the kingdom of God the same as the church? Are those kind of synonymous? And that, that's also not exactly what, what the Bible teaches. When the Bible's talking about the kingdom of God, it's talking about the realities of heaven and all that was lost in the, in the fall, you know, all that happened when Adam and Eve sinned and all that was lost becoming a reality again on this earth in the here and now. It's the way if God were ruling as he desired the earth to be, it's what it would look like. It's how God is wanting to see, uh, it's what God is wanting to do on the earth if he were the one ruling. The realities of heaven coming in the here and now. And so sometimes we read the Bible only with this perspective on, uh, it's me and God and then I'm just, all that matters in life is that someday I get to be in heaven. You know, I'll die and then I'll be in heaven. That's really important. The kingdom of God is certainly not less than that. I mean, that's an essential message in the Bible is that we all need Jesus or we're in big trouble. And so we need Jesus to be with the Father, be with Jesus for all eternity. But it's so much more. When we read about Jesus, his main message, I like to kind of quiz college guys as I'm walking with them in discipleship. And say, hey, if you could boil down one message to Jesus' ministry, to everything that he did, even what he, he did, not just his message, but what he demonstrated, what would it be? And I especially enjoy, I ask people that. And anyway, I like the answers that come back, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're, they're not 100% right, but the answer is the kingdom of God. Jesus was all about the kingdom of God, and especially in the here and now. So if you only read Jesus thinking that he's talking about something down the road in the future, you're missing it. He's talking about what does it look like in our lives right here, right now, if we followed Jesus with everything we had, what would that be like? Before we look at some of that in the New Testament, though, it's really important. There's a passage, I think it's one of the most important passages in the Bible but especially for understanding how it is that God wants us to view our lives, the reality we live in, your workplace, everything you do, from dishes to taking out the garbage to loving your wife to how you interact with others. This is how God wants us to view and and interpret, in a sense, our lives. And that is Isaiah 61. So if you have your, your Bibles with you, turn to Isaiah 61. It'll be up on the screen as well, so you can... Follow along up there. There's a good-sized chunk of Scripture here, okay? As I said that, I got distracted because 
there was this girl in like 10th grade who could not stand the word chunk. And so every time I say that, I still am like, there might be people in here who cannot stand that word. So maybe I should find a different, different word for it. Um, people are like, I'm never going back to that church. He said chunk way too many times. But, but anyway, so Isaiah 61, it's key passage of how God is viewing the earth and what he's wanting to do in the world. Now, Isaiah 61, it, it's first and foremost talking about, it's looking forward to this messenger, this servant that God would send who would, in essence, transform the world and bring a message that would transform the world. And so it's looking forward to Jesus, just to let you know. And Jesus picks up on this in Luke 4, and he actually defines his whole ministry. And, and everything that he teaches and does is based on, in many ways, Isaiah 61. So if Jesus is describing his whole ministry as connected with this, we want to know what all is going on. And we want to look at it, and then maybe, maybe this is where your brain's going. We want to base our lives and our ministry based on this as well. Because if it's what Jesus defined himself and his ministry with, that's what we want to base our ministry and our lives and our message and, all, and the meaning of our lives as found in this as well. So we're going to read through and, and then we're going to go back over and just hit on some of the key, key things that are going on here. It says this, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. And release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They, the very ones that is just talking about who encounter God in this way. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Farmers will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame... My people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them. And make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a blessed, a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. 
For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow. So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. There's a lot going on in here, and I like it. There's some good stuff. This whole first first few verses here, and let me just, just listen to these as I highlight some of the things that God is defining that he wants to do through, again, this messenger that's talking about, through Jesus. This is a purpose. Jesus came. He wants to give good news to the poor. Binding up the brokenhearted. Freedom for captives. It's okay to think of yourself. Have you ever been here? Or this morning as we're reading, or do you need some of these things? Because this is why Jesus is, a, is, is here for us. Release from darkness for prisoners. Walk in a season where the favor of God is how life is lived. Where the favor of God is on us. In fact, when Jesus used this passage in Luke 4, he stopped right there. Because he was, he was saying, with my coming, before the second coming, this is a time where it's the favor of God being released on the earth. And that's why it's a year. It's this season of the favor of God on the earth. And then there will be an eventual day, a moment in time, of vengeance of God against sin. And that's why we need Jesus. And so, but where we live right now is a time where God is wanting to pour his favor out on us as a people, on lives of all those you know. He's wanting to release this good news. He wants to comfort you. He wants to comfort those who are mourning. He wants to provide for those who are grieving. Bestow a crown of beauty on people instead of ashes. The heart of God is that the oil of gladness would be on people instead of mourning. And a garment of praise Instead of despair. I think I've heard a phrase that could maybe summarize what this is in a sense. Haven for the broken. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, oh, there it is. Haven for the broken. This is the heart that comes behind who we want to be as a people here at the harbor. We want to be a place where those who fit in any one of these categories can come and experience a transformation from Jesus, where he meets them in this place, whatever it may be. And then this, I love this. It's, then it switches that those very people who are experiencing God in these ways, experiencing this transformation, they then become the launch to the nations. And other things. But, but let's look at this. It's the same people. So as you sit here, no matter your level of brokenness that you feel, no matter the insecurity, if you feel like me a few years ago, when I'm just like, I couldn't plant a church, way too much faith required for that one. Um, this is what God wants to do in each one of us. This is heart for us. That we would be called, these ones, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. For what? To display his splendor. God wants to display his splendor on the earth through you. Through each one of us. This is neat. They will rebuild ancient ruins. They'll restore places long devastated. Can you think about communities that you know that are devastated? Countries 
people, lives that are devastated. He wants to renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And even those who are in those places, that they would be called priests, ministers before God. Is anyone else excited when they read this? Because I get pretty excited. Can, you know, can I get, where's, where's Stephen Hartley? Can I get an amen from Stephen Hartley? Amen. There we go. Come on. And um, this is just, this is why when we talk about this word that can sound a little like Christianese, you know, the gospel. Or, the gospel, it means it's good news. We have some good news here to offer in our world. And sometimes I, it might not seem like really good news because we're not necessarily experiencing all of this good news for us. But the reality is that God is wanting to bring us into this place where we're experiencing these sorts of things in our lives. And then he's wanting to use us. It's not just we stay in this place of always kind of this brokenness. I need healing. But God wants to make us whole and transform us. So he wants to do this. This is really good news. And then it's just back to more stuff. I don't like walking around in shame. It's not fun to walk ashamed of, of my life or different things. And so I'm so thankful that God says, he want, instead of shame, he wants to give a double portion. Instead of disgrace, he wants people to rejoice in their inheritance. Everlasting joy will be theirs. I mean, that alone, I think, would make me want to follow Jesus. If there was this place of experiencing some of the joy of the God here and then and knowing that for the rest of my, for all of eternity, I would be in everlasting joy. Sounds good. And then you want to know the heart of God on the earth? Sometimes we question, we, we can judge God and we can say, well, I see the news and there's all this bad stuff happening. And God, how could you let this and why this? <laughs> Valid questions. Great. Um, this isn't going to answer all of those questions. But what I can say is, do you want to know what the heart of God is? This is true. So we have to put this into the answer. I, the Lord, love justice, and I hate robbery and iniquity. And in my faithfulness, I will reward these ones and make an everlasting covenant with them. And so, you know, it's not the heart of God that there would be injustice rampant on the earth. I would encourage you, go to the, the panel that's on Wednesday. It's going to be awesome. We want to be a, a, a church that is addressing those kind of needs on the earth. Trafficking, things like that. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just the heart of God. It also says that their descendants will be known among the nations. She may wonder, where, what's the whole, where do you get this whole launch to the nations idea? Well, it, it says in here that the descendants would be known among the nations. There would be something about what God's wanting to do that would be across the entirety of the earth. And that we all have somewhat of a part to play in that. And then I love this in, in verse 9. It says, All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Wouldn't that be cool? If everyone who saw what was happening in Beverly, uh, especially, you know, just thinking about our little, our little community of believers that we have here at the harbor. People saw what God was doing here, saw the way we were living and loving and addressing the needs and seeing people's lives get changed. Seeing our society get changed because of the way we're walking with Jesus and living this out. People said, surely the Lord has blessed those people. I want to be a part of them. Because I believe most people, maybe all people, deep down they're longing to receive the blessing of God over their lives. Even if they don't know it. I got some stuff on that, but it's a different time. Um, 
So this is good stuff. This, the kingdom of God. So you may be asking yourself, what, what does this, how does this connect with church planting? Talking about church planting here. Well, let's turn real quick to Acts 1, 3, and uh, 6 through 8. So this is Jesus talking to some of his disciples right before he's going to leave. So he's died, rose from the dead, been with them for a little while, and he's about to leave the earth. So Acts 1, you know, so we want to take note. If, if there's some things that Jesus is saying at the very end, right before he's about to kind of leave his whole plan for history in the hands of a few, it's like Lord of the Rings, like, here we go, just giving it to Frodo. It's all falling on these 12 in, in a lot of ways. And what, what is it that Jesus is going to communicate to them? So verse 3, it says that he appeared to them, over a period of 40 days. Oh, what did he speak about? He spoke about the kingdom of God. And then in verse 6, it says, When they had met together, they asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore, though, the kingdom of Israel? What about the kingdom of Israel? You know, aren't, isn't that restoration going to happen? And, and how Jesus responds is he says, you know, on that whole deal, it's, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by, my, by his authority. But here's what you should know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In case you don't have a whole map in your mind, that's a... Uh, it's going from a really, like, Jerusalem is right here, right where they're talking. And then it's just kind of progressively going outward, both geographically and kind of in terms of ethnically and people groups who would be far away from, from the good news at this point in time. Because one, one thing, and you see this in the disciples here, we can have this tendency as well, where we think that it's about, okay, so here is what's happening. Here's what God's doing right here. I'll just try and get everyone to do that. You know, I'll just kind of stay here and bring it. That was the mindset a lot of times in the Old Testament of people. It was, hey, we'll just expect everyone to come to where we are as the people of God. But what Jesus is saying here, no, it's not about expecting everyone to come to this one place or even to what we're doing, but it's we go out. It's not in like we're trying to, you know, just bring everyone in, but we need to go out and be, be what, does he call, what does he say we then need to be? Witnesses. And how do we be these witnesses? Well, it's important that the Holy Spirit comes on us, but by what we say and by what we do. Because that's how Jesus lived. He didn't just teach about the kingdom of God. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. Everywhere he went, he was doing this sort of thing, the, Acts six, or the Isaiah 61 lifestyle, maybe we could call it. He, he's going all over and doing those things that we looked at in Isaiah 61. And then as you read through the book of Acts, the New Testament, it all happens, well, for the most part, through churches, through local churches being established. You read, if you've never read through the book of Acts, that's your homework for this week or this month or whatever. Read through the book of Acts to see what it is that, that you get to be a part of as God establishes churches on the earth and does this very thing. The whole book of Acts is, is basically expanding in that same sort of way where the good news of, 
of, yes, knowing Jesus and being saved, it's huge, but more than that, how his kingdom is breaking out on the earth and transforming individuals and transforming societies. Because God's heart isn't just for, you know, this one person, but he wants to transform societies. And he wants to bring about those good things. I want to, I want to read this quote kind of along these lines and on how it relates to kind of the church, because that just, it seems to be God's heart as you read the whole New Testament is to gather those people who are living in this sort of way together to work on them in that context of community as they worship Jesus and they follow him. And then through that, the kingdom of God comes. And this, this reality that we see in Isaiah 61 doesn't feel quite so far-fetched, but we actually start to see it happening in our midst. This is by a pastor named Bill Hybels, and he wrote this in, in a book called Courageous Leadership, and it fires me up. It says, The gospel is the power of the love of Jesus Christ, the love that conquers sin and wipes out shame and heals wounds, and reconciles enemies, and patches broken dreams, and ultimately changes the world one life at a time. The radical message of that transforming love has been given to the church. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. Hopefully you can catch some of that. It sounds familiar. It's Isaiah 61 type stuff. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering... The church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. That gets me excited. That's the sort of thing that I would want to live my life for. That's the sort of thing I do want to live my life for. And so if this is the case, that God really is advancing his kingdom through, through communities of people that, we'll call, that we call the local church. What? what? It just, why wouldn't we want to be a part of giving our lives to that? And it also makes me think about this. There are some places in the world that really, really, really need some churches. So if this is what comes from when churches get established, there's some places that really need churches. And this is where it's important. We get this whole living for the sake of others idea that's important that I alluded to earlier that... What if God is actually wanting from your life, he's almost more concerned with how your life will bring this about in someone else's life than even just the desires and your own kind of dreams for your own direction. I'm not saying he doesn't care about your dreams and your desires. He does want to give you those things. But there's a place where um, God calls us to lay down our own and then he wants to resurrect them in us. There's certain places that he wants us to, to die to ourselves and see, how can I live for the sake of others? And in that process, the crazy thing about the kingdom of God is that it's in that place that God gives us everything that we could have longed for and that we ultimately desire. We see this in, in Mark 10. Jesus is, is making this similar point because Peter basically says, we've left everything to follow you. 
And Jesus says, hey. He didn't say hey there. Maybe he did in Aramaic. Um, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So I'm not saying that every person sitting in this room now has to go to some other country and plant a church there. I'm not saying that's necessarily what what God has for each of your lives. But what I am saying, maybe saying a few things by this, but I am saying that I think you should at least give God the opportunity to speak that into your life. And I had a conversation with someone this week, and it was good, and I was actually asking, I was saying, what, could you ever see yourself planting a church? Just kind of knew I was going to be preaching on this, asking some people. He said, well, I'm trying to still figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. And this actually wasn't a college student, so he was in his 20s. And, and so it was interesting. Then we kind of thought about this together, and we came to the conclusion that those are actually two different questions. You know, what am I going to do with my life in terms of calling, vocation, profession? Doesn't that, it's a different question. Do you want to be a part of church planting? Do you want to be a part of helping communities like Isaiah 61 type communities happen all over the earth? Because honestly, yeah, we need some people who have pastoral callings and some more kind of, you know, missionaries in the typical sense of the word if you want. But as we, at this church especially, but there's church planning stuff happening all over the world. What we need is people who will take what they're doing. They will take their passions, their education, their jobs, their business skills, their medical skills, all these different things. We're not asking you to stop doing that. We're just asking you to think about changing the location where you're doing that. And to think about doing it in a part of the world where... People have never had a chance to hear about Jesus. So I think it's worth at least letting Jesus into that conversation for your life. So we have college students here. As you go into your majors, the majors that you're, you're studying are, are great. Now, we want to just validate that. But in the process, be asking God, what would it look like to do this maybe somewhere else, maybe in America, maybe with the purpose of bringing an Isaiah 61 idea to life, perspective to life. So if you think about moving, even, you know, with your family, what would it be like for a part of your family to want to live for seeing the kingdom of God come on the earth wherever you go? 